It's a great pleasure for all of us to be gathered to today across uh, species lines. Um, I love the Feast of St. Francis, and who doesn't? Uh, I, well, there may be someone, but I don't know them. And I've had the pleasure of uh, doing animal blessings uh, in many different places, and it's interesting to ask, people always ask, what's the most unusual uh, animal that you've blessed? And I, I, think, um, I think it was a beehive. They brought it. <laughs> to, to the blessing. That, that was pretty amazing. Uh, there are a lot of nervous cats that get brought. Um, uh, some chickens even more nervous uh, <laughs> with all the dogs around them. Uh, but also hedgehogs and uh, snakes and once a great land tortoise. Uh, a huge, huge ancient land tortoise. So wonderful to see all of that come together, all of life uh, being brought together. You know that St. John the Divine, uh, the, our great cathedral in New York, uh, has a, a procession. They bring the animals in to St. John's. Uh, who's been to St. John the Divine? You know that you can actually put uh, her ladyship, the, sta the Statue of Liberty, into uh, St. John the Divine and she would fit uh, in, inside there. It's, it's a vast, it's the largest Gothic space in the world. Um, amazing. And the point of that is that the back of that procession is always an elephant uh, from the zoo. Uh, but it's not actually the back. There's one person with a scooper uh, <laughs> who, follows the, uh, who follows the elephant. That's the actual rear of the... Uh, so, great. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Come unto me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of spirit. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, probably for many of you, when you hear that verse, you hear the wonderful uh, chorus from Handel's Messiah uh, that, that brings that up. And, and the word light is, is a higher note uh, all the way through it. It's so full of beauty and joy. I wonder if I at least have missed in hearing that sung so many times, reading this passage, preaching on this passage, I have at least have missed that there is a, um, a pairing between the weariness that's referred to and the carrying having burdens, that pair, with the take my yoke upon you, and uh, the burden is light. And that is, um, well, let's put it this way. When you're weary from work, what's the opposite? What comes as the um, opposite of that? Like, Rested. vacation? sabbatical, <laughs> retirement. <laughs> yeah, so um, a cessation of work, right? A cessation of work. A break. Let's take a break from all that. And, and so it's the opposite. But that's not what happens in this passage. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Rather, he says, you've got the wrong employer and maybe the wrong job 
because what he says is not take a vacation, <laughs> take a sabbatical, retire, give it up, but rather take my yoke upon you. That is, you're going to do work. You're going to continue to do work, but you're going to be joyful in it, and it will be like rest for you rather than something, burden, something burdensome, something painful. That's an interesting idea, isn't it? Um, and, and I wonder what that would mean to us in our lives if we started to ask, for whom do we work? For whom do we work? And what is the nature of our work for that person for whom we work? So if we look at Francis's life, and, and this, this gospel was chosen for our lectionary to, to help us reflect on the life of Francis. Um, as you know, in the 12th century, and in the 13th century, um, in the 1200s, Francis was born into a, a very wealthy um, merchant class family, not, not aristocrats, not the, not the old style lords and ladies of Italy, but, but the burgeoning uh, merchant class. They were competitive people who knew how to make a deal. They were kind of like us. Uh, Silicon Valley, uh, it, it was a, a place of innovation, a place of, um, of real competitiveness and profit. His father was uh, absent, in fact, when Francis was born. And his given name, his baptismal name is not Francis, but Giovanni. Saint Giovanni. Um, but his father was in France doing business, and, when, and he loved France, all things French. And when he came back, he started nicknaming his son Francisco. And that's, that's how we came to have it. His father was enormously successful, and for a good part of Francis's young adulthood, he wanted to be like his father. He wanted to please his father. And he worked for his father. He was selling uh, cloth as his father was a cloth merchant. It didn't really work out for him. He was also handsome, young, unmarried, and he did that thing as well. He was the young man about town um, and carousing uh, with, with his friends, and that really didn't suit him either. It was a yoke he put on to be like that, to be like his father, uh, to be like his friends, and neither suited him. He also went to war. He thought, I, perhaps I'll serve my country, my city, city-states, as a, as a young soldier. He was captured. He spent a year in prison. He was ransomed and returned home. Um, his health was broken at the time, restored. The life of the military was not his life either. So three times he tried a yoke on, and none of them suited him. And they don't sound so burdensome to me from the point of view of the world. They sound like they fit the expectations of the world in which we live. But even before he had his great conversion when God spoke to him at the broken down chapel of San Damiano and said, rebuild my church, which he took literally to mean rebuild this, this stone broken down church, later he came to understand that it was yes, that, and also a bigger calling. 
But even before that, even while he was trying out these different jobs, working for these different people, his father, the expectations of his friends, the, the expectations of his city, even then he was being called to be a person of compassion with those who suffered and who were poor. He slipped away at the end of one day while he was working, selling cloth, because a beggar had come by. And he took money and found the man and gave the money to him. But it was actually his father's money from the sales. And there, was, uh, there were repercussions for that. And, and on it went until he finally understood that the person he wanted to look to, to guide the reins of the plow and to pull behind the yoke was Jesus Christ. And that the work he was called to do was to serve, was to serve the world. Now, Francis uh, didn't do things by half measures. <laughs> he, he embraced uh, poverty. He called it lady poverty. He embraced the idea of welcoming death. Uh, he, he did things um, that we would ex consider, and, and perhaps were, uh, extreme. Uh, the, the mortification of his body. Things that we've learned perhaps were not influenced by God so much as by the shadow side of his culture. So, so maybe we wouldn't follow Christ and take on another yoke exactly as he did. That is, giving up whatever work it is we're called to do. And, and whatever proximate employer signs our paycheck or authorizes what we do, we might not do what he did. And he didn't expect every one of his time to do that. When he formed the friars, the, what we call the Franciscans, they were an intense group. And, and he loved them devoutly. But he didn't expect everyone to become them. In fact, at that time, soon after he established the men's order, he met Claire. And they established the poor Claire as a women's order. And then soon after that, they created what we have here in the Bay Area too, the third order, which were men and women who were able to marry, to continue their lives, but to embrace the values, the values of Franciscanism, and particularly to see Christ as the one who guided their lives. So we can stay where we are, but be converted in how we orient our lives so that Christ is the one who is guiding us. And it is Christ's yoke that we put around our necks, which fits us in a way that no other yoke will. Augustine, some 600 years before Francis, famously wrote, our hearts, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Do you feel that that's true? I feel that that's true. In my own life, the sense that uh, if, if I look to all these things that uh, charm me, as they, in their way, charmed Francis, I think, oh, that's, that's satisfying, that's good. 
that will help me. And they will, approximately, but not ultimately. What ultimately will help me is to understand that it's a reorientation of my life, a transformation of my life, so that I might see that it is Christ behind, always guiding me, and that it's Christ's yoke that I put around my neck. Now this idea of cessation, of the vacation, the sabbatical, the retirement, there is a place for this, let me say, in life, and we, we, we all know that. I'm looking forward um, <laughs> to, to discovering some of that. Um, but I believe it kind of, the way we make dualisms in the world, um, yes and no's, too much, too much of that, um, that we've done that with heaven as well. So a lot of people I've talked to over the many years I've been ordained, it's almost 40 years, uh, have said, this idea of heaven that you Christians have, boring. Uh, the idea of floating on a cloud, you, you know the images, of doing nothing for eternity, but playing the harp, um, I'm not interested. And I'm, okay, but that, that's not really what I'm selling. <laughs> uh, but it is the image, isn't it? Um, that it's cessation, it's the same idea, that when you lay down this work, this work, so it's not just your career, or your marriage, or your set of friends, or what, or the burdens you carry, the suffering you have, but the whole of mortal life, when you lay that down, that it's then forever cessation, forever vacation, forever sabbatical, forever retirement. The golf links forever, or whatever. Um, I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, that's not the case. That's not the case. What, what we understand is that what Francis uh, is putting forward to us through the words of Jesus, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, is eternally true. It's eternally true. So in the Roman Catholic Church, and in the Orthodox churches, the two great liturgical churches that share the world with us, the Anglicans, the three great liturgical churches, there's a very active, very active belief that the saints never leave us. That they are always available to help us. Just as we celebrated the Feast of St. Michael and All Angels uh, yesterday, on Friday, the angels are always present to help us. This may not be a vivid belief for you. Uh, we are a little more attenuated about it in the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Communion, a little more Protestant about the saints, uh, there were, for good reason. But we've lost something. Because the truth is that, as St. Paul said, love never ends. There's only one thing that never ends and that is overflowing love. And as it has more and more shown itself, love, in the life of a particular person, the more and more you can believe and I can believe that that person's devotion to the salvation of the world, to your health and your life and your community's life, that never ends either.
So the cessation, that idea is a false idea. The joy of Francis, the joy of Claire, the joy of your grandmother, the joy of the most loving person who is ever in your life, who is now not mortally with you, that love has never ended. And that person, that cloud of people, is as available to you today as when they walked on this earth. In fact, according to one of those radiant people, even more so, because they are not contained by bodies. They are present wherever love can be present. So no cessation, but rather a proper orientation towards the source of all love and all life, Jesus Christ, and the proper calling of your life and mine to be lives of love and of service.